This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right. Welcome to the Monday Night That Just Happened episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. I am joined... As always, by Jordan Diarman up there in Chicago, Illinois. Jordan, uh, eventful day in Chicago. Very eventful day. Uh, it's been a very busy week, especially for me too, because I worked all weekend. Which, of course, you know, it came down to everything this past weekend for Cubs fans. So it's been busy, needless to say, and uh, a really busy week in college football too. Have you been in the radio booth since they lost this afternoon? <laughs> no, I have not. And I'm very glad that I was not a part of that. Uh, I worked Friday and Saturday night, so that would include a loss and a win. Uh, so it really wasn't. No, 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 no. I can't even remember anymore. It was a really busy <laughs> weekend of, of football. Plus, you know, the Major League Baseball going on. It wasn't just the Cubs. You know, um, just the NL West was crazy. Um, so it's just been busy. It's been really, really busy. And now that the Cubs have lost fans around here are, um, they're just calling for people's heads already. So it's interesting. It's playoffs though. It's just I know. Be the wild it's, card game. Yeah. It, but you know, once you win the world series, you think you win everything else. So that's a little, that that's insane. Cubs fans settle down, settle down Cubs fans. You're asking a lot, Chase. I, I really am. And uh, stop going after my guy, Nick Stellini of The Athletic. That would be great, too. <laughs> Cubs fans just need to take it easy. Everybody needs to calm down. Like, it's, I don't know. It, they just need to calm down. But I will say, like, it was great to, like, have on the Major League Baseball postseason at work today <laughs> as I'm doing other stuff and just being able to see that. Like, there's, it, it's just nice to have, like, an important sporting event going on during the day on a Monday just to have that and look over and be like, Oh cool. Anthony Rizzo just crushed a ball, uh, to like deep, right. And it's a one, one game. And it's, this is important. Chicago's going nuts. And, and the fact that, and three to one. yeah, I know that was a, a definite bummer, but I mean, just the fact that it was Brewers Cubs, you know, there's so much animosity between the two fan bases already. Um, every time the Cubs go to Milwaukee, like it's, it's a blue out, you know, I mean, well, it's pretty much like that anywhere the Cubs go just cause the fan mm -hmm. bases are everywhere. But today, you know, I was on the North side and did not go as planned. No, but you know what? They're still in the playoffs and like baseball, the way the playoffs goes, it's just, it's a crap shoot. So, I mean, they're still one of the, I mean, I think they're the number two team in the NL still. I think it's them and the Brewers. Uh, at this point, like I've been on the Dodgers train for a while, but they still just kind of scare me a little bit. Um, not a Rockies believer, and I'm definitely not a Braves believer. Composed, <laughs> yeah. They just don't have the pitching. They're they well, don't. they're they're just an Atlanta team. So when it comes down to important games, you just choke things away. So I don't think that's necessarily the case with them. Like it's their the Olympic is legitimately curse. good. It's the Olympic curse, Chase. Until the United States, until LA gets the Olympics again, 
Atlanta will not win another championship in in anything. Think about it. What nine, if we just ninety five Olympics. What if we just canceled the Olympics? Why are we still doing this? We have better sports now. We don't need to do any of this anymore. I like the Olympics. Do you hate the Olympics? Absolutely hate it. Are you even American? It's not even an American thing. What is it? Why? Like, you have I mean, to. It's, like it's a- just like loving your country. Like I can't. I you know I don't normally watch track races, but when you know you're very passionate about this. I just. I mean, it's America. Do you watch FIFA? Uh, like the World Cup? Yeah. I mean, I didn't watch it. I mean, I didn't really watch much of it with America not in it. Well, right, right. No, I don't either. But like when America's in it, like I watch soccer more than I ever have in my life because it's America. I I watch a lot of Atlanta United. That's that's not like America. Like America is competing against different countries, Chase. Oh, my gosh. This is just a whole nother podcast. We'll have to dive into this. I just... I don't Com- want to completely questioning I'm over it. Let's your, just cancel it. We don't need it anymore. It's not necessary. You're really getting me worked up. I'm going to have to go with something <laughs> you stronger really than Bud Light. Oh my God. Is it already Bud Light time? It's Bud Light time, baby. But you know, this is a very pro course Light podcast. Of course. of course. Yeah. Of course. Was that a pun? Of course. Or just of course. Oh, you caught on. I'm so proud. Yeah. yeah. Really, we're really um, starting yeah. to click here. <laughs> We found our group. What is this? Number four or number three? I'm, I've already lost count. Well, it's just like LSU. You start to find your groove halfway through the season, you know? Did they find their groove? Is I that think, what we're saying about I them beating that, Ole Miss at home? I think, well, it's against one of the worst defenses in the entire country. But granted that, I think that Joe Burrow's starting to step into his own. He's He's now more than a game manager. I think he's like quarterback level. No, he's still a game manager. Still firmly in the, he's a game manager. Like, so Deplet, he did the thing to uh, Ole Miss in the first possession that uh, he did to Auburn, where he just did a Jamal Adams kind of read of Jordan Tamo. Is it Tamo? Whatever it is. It's, he's the, uh, Hawaiian, the Hawaiian yes. Ole Miss. <laughs> yes. The bigger Tua Tagovailoa. Yes. He's gigantic. Like, Jordan Tamo is yeah, like 6'6, six, six. but um, he has a cannon and he threw it down the left. Uh, hash mark and uh, Deppley just like read it the whole way and made this great one-handed INT and you're like oh why did I think that Ole Miss can win this game this I know I know that's a that's immediately what I thought when that play happened I was very upset with myself betting against LSU in that fact but I mean their offense has always just been so stale I mean that's only the right thing to to do is to say you know what LSU's offense usually just doesn't get the job done and they definitely got the job done. I mean, they had 573 yards of offense. I don't even know when the last time that's happened for LSU. <laughs> Wesley McGriff's defense is a cure for all, is what we're learning. Here. Well, yeah, I mean, it's definitely the worst in the SEC and could possibly be the worst defense in the country. For all, it's very possible. <laughs> um, it they were in the bottom five, I believe, at one point in S and P plus um, defensively, because I think, um, cause we, I think we talked about in the pod where it's like the best possible bowl matchup is Ole Miss versus Iowa. Yes, where yes. <laughs> the best defense in the country and an anemic offense versus a great offense and then just an anemic defense. It's what the it's what the football gods have asked for. Um, so did you watch any Hawaii this weekend? I did. I did just for you though. But what a so game! What was your favorite shovel pass. I was. You know what's so funny is in my notes it says Hawaii with a little asterisk for Chase, 
Um, and then it goes down into Cole McDonald. And it one of my little bullet points is shovel passes are crazy. <laughs> you, you think he's going down for a sack and then they yell touchdown. I mean, really, honestly, I thought there was multiple times where he was being he was in the process of being tackled, almost or sacked, you know, and he somehow would get the ball out, shovel it down the field. I'm just like, how is this guy doing it? I honestly one of my other bullets is he sort of reminds me of Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers. And I know that's a really oh. big comparison, but uh-huh. the way that he creates plays and they're not even textbook plays. He just finds a way to get the ball to a receiver in the end zone. He runs around. Like, it's one of those things where, like, his yards per attempt are not crazy good. Like, it's not like a Tua Tagovailoa or guys right. like that, like um, Will Greer. Um, they have, I mean, their completion percentages are insane, and Cole McDonald's up there. But it's more of, like, he puts guys in position, like, yards after the catch to just run wild and like that's the way this offense works with the run and shoot and all that kind of stuff but like cole mcdonald the way he like you talked about runs around like that shovel pass touchdown he it was crazy just, like, flicks his wrist it, like, it's he literally just flicks it it's um it's one of the coolest things i've ever seen like i hated watching the high after i watched the you know watched the game i watched highlight tapes from Cole McDonald. And I sat there and I was sort of smirking at myself because I was like, God, if Chase knew I was doing this right now, if he knew I was going down a deep, dark Cole McDonald hole, looking at his highlight reels, I would just, I would be embarrassed, but I'm now sharing that with you. I mean, he really is one of the the coolest and most innovative quarterbacks I've, I've ever watched in college football. I would never steer you wrong, Jordan. Like, it's not like my Cole McDonald <laughs> admiration was unfounded. I saw one snap all in ready to go i even had one look at him in practice just the look of somebody who's just gonna be a man among men and that guy athletic freak of nature he just slings the ball over the place like he's still incredibly accurate so even though he is kind of like all over the place like those shovel passes are perfect like when he's just I mean, throwing it around it looks like you that's would what he never you would never like i feel like college coaches would not recommend their quarterbacks trying that you know that's not something that you right. honestly especially at the co- collegiate level like you don't really want to try that because more than often like it's not going to end well um but that's why i think he's so much like patrick mahomes like i feel like patrick makes up plays as he goes like just because he's an athlete and that's what it comes down to for Cole McDonald I think that they've got he's he's gonna be a great NFL quarterback one day that's the one thing I, I can't that. like I, have I, what, no idea on that. I really truly think after watching him you said it he's an athlete and that's the first thing that makes a great quarterback in the NFL I mean he's got he the int- on Twitter <laughs> he's not on Twitter yet he's not I'm, I want to tag him in every episode upload and I can't because he's not on Twitter well why don't you tag one of his offensive linemen That's they spend, they spend a lot of time together you know <laughs> yeah just about anyway there's got to be some guys in that roster that are on Twitter that would um, support my um, McDonald's oh, I am I sure that's... that there is not another podcast in the country that talks more Hawaii football than than this one yeah, I would agree. And for good reason, because not many teams can go into San Jose State on a Saturday night and come away with a victory. In five Army, overtimes. Hawaii, mm-hmm. Yeah, five overtimes, miss kick to win. Um, what a game. They were down the majority of this game. Like It was one of those where they were, I want to say they were down 14 to nothing at one point. And the final score, as listeners are dying to know, is 44-41 after five overtimes um, for Hawaii. And uh, you know what? They didn't, they didn't get phased. Second half, they came out, they kept fighting they were down big 
and uh, should, came all the way back. Should we? Uh, Hawaii does. Should we mention that San Jose State is winless on the season? No, we should not. <laughs> Irrelevant. But regardless, Cole McDonald, he was a stud, and you know what, Chase, I'm going to be paying attention from this point on. As should everybody else. College football and sports in general should be about entertainment. You should not be watching Iowa football on Saturdays. What you should be watching is things that I... make you feel good. And watching Cole McDonald makes me feel good every week. You... And it will make you feel good if you watch it. Well, you can watch the first quarter of Iowa football if they're playing at home because the feel good story in that game all the time when they're playing at home is the Iowa wave to the kids. So just watch one quarter of Iowa football. At home. How do you feel about the wave in sports in general? <laughs> the wave? Oh, I'll participate mm-hmm. if I've had a beer or two. Do you really? Yeah, I mean, why not? Well, I mean, like, I'm not going to be that, like, get off my lawn, like, person that's like, oh, oh I join hate. Join me, Jordan. You've already joined me on <laughs> Cole McDonald. Anti-wave. Never getting You're also anti-American again. with the Olympics, so I cannot go there. I am. I can't get over you, like, associating the Olympics with, like, this primary... I think United it's because thing. I, I, I think it's because I got to go to the Olympics when it was in Atlanta. So I think it just. Do you remember it? We were five years old. I, yeah, I know. It was so much fun. I got to go to the gymnastics. It was great. You are lying. You have no I, recollection. No, I really do. The things that I remember are receiving one of those like collectible fans in the, in mm-hmm. at the g- gymnastics event, and then also going and feeding the horses at Centennial Park. There were horses? I guess. I don't know. It's one of those things that I remember at five years old. I, I'm not quite sure. Wait, why were there horses? What I guess they had... horses have like, to do with... I don't, I don't... I'm not quite sure. I just know that there were horses and I fed them. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that wasn't part of the Olympics. You were just walking around and you oh. just found some horses. I think Maybe. that might have been because there are horses that trot around downtown Atlanta on the carriage rides. So maybe that's what it was. Maybe. Maybe so. But yes. Uh. <laughs> Off on another tangent. Um, no, that's good. Yeah. Uh, because we needed a way to get off Cole, uh, Cole McDonald, and well, that was a good way of doing it. And Jordan, did you know, if I were to tell you that Tua Tagovailoa threw eight passes, how mm-hmm. many uh, do you think he completed of those eight on Saturday? 100% all the time. That is correct. He was eight for eight. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. He His Heisman hopes are still up there. Um you know, if I, I don't even know why we're really having a vote because the only reason that Tua would not get the Heisman is if people were just turning up their nose specifically because he's an Alabama player. He is the he is one of the best players in college football, the best quarterback in college football. I'm not ready to go there yet. Um, I think there's still a case to be made for like so. If you look at the schedule, we're not going to know um, for another month until November because Ohio State got through their gauntlet. They survived at Penn State, and now they have just uh, cupcakes over the next four weeks. Alabama also has cupcakes over the next four weeks. They've had not cupcakes really learn... all season, but right, but especially for the next month. <laughs> yeah. So like they like two is going to put up these kind of stats for at least another month. And like he's playing Arkansas this weekend, which Arkansas, not very good at football. Mm-hmm. And uh, John Chavis is their defensive coordinator, who I believe at this point has now been the defensive coordinator for every SEC team at this point in his career. Good possibly. LSU, yeah. Texas A&M. Where has he not been? Georgia. Okay. Are we sure? No, not at all. <laughs> Keep getting them checks, John Chavis. That's all yeah. I'm saying. Like for this guy to get this many jobs, uh, you know what? Good for him. Chavis Stevens at LSU was pretty good over the years, though. 
I mean, yeah, it was a thing. I remember having that conversation with people like, oh, they just have a good defense, you know, because that Chavis defense, well, I, you yeah. know what he's doing. Was that That's like that Patrick Peterson? Patrick Peterson? Was that Chavis era? Uh, no. I Tyron think Matthew? Was, no, I think it was even farther back to like, I don't know, this Corey Webster? Mm. Those days? Well. Marcus Spears? Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah. That sounds right. Um, but yeah, it was a while ago. It was basically when Nick Saban or like right after Nick, I think maybe it was early last miles. I don't know. They all blend together. Um, it was a year when LSU's offense was not very good. I remember that. So it was every year for the last 30 <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. I went to that LSU-Alabama national championship game, so I don't ever want to relive that. Did you really? Again. Yes, I did. Down what in, was it like being there? Um, well, I was with my LSU family and uh, – they left the game early, um, and one of my you know, god brothers, my big brother, basically, we found him in the casino. Um, okay. It was not good. I mean, LSU could not get past the fifty-yard line. I, it was, I mean, it was one of the most terrible games I've ever been to. We were offered three thousand dollars per ticket before we went in to the game, and we turned it down. Worst decision. Not great in <laughs> Worst decision I've probably ever made at this point in my life. Especially because there's just this is I feel like I'm sounding more and more curmudgeony as I get older with especially all my takes. But like I've never been in a situation where I'm like, man, I wish I was there. Like I prefer watching everything on a TV, having my notepad, no loud noises, no annoying fans around me. Like I think I'm perfectly fine watching sports in a bubble for the rest of my life. I, mean, I don't need to be there. That's how I like it. I feel like you have okay. more opportunity to be able to see things around. Like I, you know, I had opportunity to go to the national championship game this year. Like, I, I mean, I would have had to buy a ticket and everything, but I, you know, I could have gone, but I chose to stay here in Chicago to watch it because I, for, for one, I don't do well watching games just because my language gets a little X-rated. And two, I just, I mean, it's, it's just, uh, it's more comfortable. You can go get a beer for, you know, free rather than go pay $9 and 50 cents for everyone you're going to buy. You know, it's just, it's just comfortable. You can do what you want. So that's how I prefer to watch it. But yeah. It leads us to Tulane beating Memphis on Friday night, 40 to 24, an absolute stunner. Yeah, um, getting, I'm not going to lie. I was at work for that one. Mm-hmm. Um, you missed it. Yeah, I was watching MLB postseason. Um, but I did get to see Miami on Thursday night. I did watch the Miami-North Carolina game. So that's a very deceiving score because Miami won 47 to 10. But, um, you know, <laughs> this is just funny to me. North Carolina, six turnovers in this yeah. game. Yeah, mm-hmm. Nikosi Perry threw the ball like 12 times. It wasn't like one of those situations where Miami was just rolling and just blew out North Carolina. Like North Carolina outplayed them offensively all night. Like they, they were fine um, running the football. Their passing offense, it leads a lot to be desired, but this feels like this is it for Larry Fedora. This is not getting better. And I think uh, Miami is still not very good. I think their 16th ranking is about right. 
but I also don't think like beating this North Carolina team at home the way they did is all that impressive because North Carolina, um, if they could have played another quarter, would have maybe wound up with like 10 turnovers. Uh, in the night, I, think I think you may be being kind with 10 turnovers because I think it could have been a lot worse than that. I mean, like you said, Nikosi Perry did not throw the ball that many times, 12 times. And then to start the second half, he was strip sacked, followed by an interception, and he threw one more pass the entire second half of the game. I mean, like you said, it wasn't Miami being this dominant team to beat North Carolina. North Carolina just really beat itself. Like Chaz Surratt, um, which I believe he was one of the six or seven players that were welcomed back for selling their team sneakers. Um, I Mm. think this was their first game back from their suspension, but he just, that's your quarterback. I mean, I just was really unimpressed with that was the first time I really had watched North Carolina intently, like full game. Larry Fedora is not lasting the season. I I don't see that being a possibility, especially because, I mean, that was, you know, granted, Miami didn't do, you know, overwhelmingly a lot to win the ball game. Um Mark, that was Mark Rick's largest margin of victory in his year or two year tenure at Miami. So that was a big game for him. Um, You know, still, still a lot to be worked on offensively, but still a big game for Mark Rick. Good defense. Like they have a very good defense. They force turnovers. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Like their defense is what's going to carry them all year. It's just a very deceiving team where it's like you have to watch them to get a feel for who they are. They're a team that's like, they live off their defense, and Manny Diaz is a great defensive coordinator, all that kind of stuff. But uh, that offense still sucks. Like Malik Rozier, no Malik Rozier, they're still just not very good. No, and, no, and and uh, I don't think I don't think, think Nikosi Perry's necessarily the answer. I know that was his first game, but I just don't I don't know how much better he really is than Rozier. I, yeah, but you know whose offense is good? Arizona State's. Herm Edwards. Herm Edwards, baby. Turning it around. 52 points against Oregon State. Now, I would like to read this stat line because I don't think it got talked about the entire weekend. Eno Benjamin, the running back for Arizona State. Great name. A very good, like, this guy's going to be like a future Darren Sproles in the NFL kind of name that people are going to draft in fantasy in like the second round one day. 30 carries for 312 yards, three touchdowns. He was averaging a first down point four per carry. What? It wasn't like he only had a couple carries, so it was a, an inflated number. 30 carries. What? That's it's a an cool, incredible that's number. That's a Now, what's his stats been like prior to these weeks? I mean, has it been that dominant? Obviously not. In Oregon State, what are they? Have they won like two games? I don't have it in front of me. I think they're one they've won one game. They've had a yeah. tough early schedule. Yeah. Um cuz they had to play at Ohio State. They lost this game. I want to say they're 2 and 2, but I could be wrong. 1 and 4. Never mind. Oof. Um Yeah, but uh, still. It is a not great thing. But they also have Nikhil Harry, who had five receptions for 84 yards. Who's like maybe the best wide receiver that nobody talks about in college football because he is going to be someone that's drafted in the first round. They're like, how did an Arizona state guy go in the first round? And then you watch him. You're like, Oh, okay. I get it. And he is gigantic. He went off. Uh, Manny Wilkins is like 
an incredibly inefficient quarterback, but he also, when he doesn't throw picks and do crazy things like that, they survive. But he had a 56 <laughs> completion percentage in this game, which is uh, obviously not great in 6.5 yards per attempt, and it was uh, not good. But you may be wondering why I'm talking about them. But at the same time, like Arizona State, I thought it was going to be a dumpster fire with Herm Edwards, and they are 3-2. and two. You really thought they'd be a dumpster fire? Yeah, 65-year-old Herm Edwards in this situation. I don't know. Well, okay, here's the thing. Did you think out of Kevin Sunlin, Herm Edwards, Herm Edwards, Chip Kelly, or Scott Frost, like who did you think was going to be at the bottom tier of those first-year coaches? Oh, Herm Edwards by far. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Speaking of UCLA, they were <laughs> up most of the first half, even part of the third quarter. So, you know what? I may have been wrong that they were going to get their first one at Colorado. They played Colorado very closely, and they also have a very good running back now. And I believe his name is Jordan Kelly, Jonathan Kelly, something like that. Um, another Kelly, uh, like John Kelly at Tennessee, who was great for like three years. But he ran all over Colorado. But ultimately, Steven Montez. I know. Would you like to guess where he is in completion percentage per? Um, it, you have to have a minimum, I believe, of 14 attempts on the year. But do you know where he stands right now among all? I would say two. Number one. Really? Above I, Tua. Well, I I like Steven Montez going into this game. I really, I mean, that was the whole reason why I thought Colorado would have no problem. I mean, they had a problem. They were down. Like, their defense is still kind of suspect. And uh, Demetrius Felton for UCLA is a good receiver. Like, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, uh, he's going to get there. He's not there yet. He's an athlete. Like He's a natural. You no, can yeah. see what UCLA is doing where it's like they just don't have the guys yet to put an entire game together. But this was a big road game. Colorado's undefeated. And uh, you know what? LaVishka Chenault, <laughs> our friend of the pod. Yes, LaVishka. Uh, Wildcat touchdown. Mm-hmm. Wide open on a fly pattern on another touchdown. Like that guy is just, he's another dude who is just going to be a really, really good player at the next level, like a Tyree kill type where it's just he, if he gets in the right offensive scheme, he's just going to be a nightmare to deal with. Kind of like Calvin Ridley on the outside for the Falcons. Finally, he's been coming alive. I was wondering the first couple games, why they were not giving him the ball, but they've seen, he wasn't playing like he had like, no, I know snaps in the Eagles game. And now he's getting snaps. And now uh, the Falcons may have the best uh, wide receiver trio in football. And it doesn't matter because they're one and three. Uh, and yeah. Oh, well, at this point they should just lose out and try to get at Oliver. So, <laughs> I don't want them drafting any more defensive linemen. Why? Like, Our outside defenses... of outside defensive interior, get somebody next to Grady Jarrett. But I mean, yeah, I kind of like. But Vic Beasley, Tack McKinley had a good game yesterday. He had two sacks and I a just... forced fumble. Almost. Here's the thing: we need, you know, Atlanta needs somebody else beside Vic Beasley because it's like Chicago now. You got Akeem Hicks on the outside. You got Khalil Mack, and now Akeem Hicks is, you know, being left wide open. And, you're getting sacks left and right, whether it's Khalil or Akeem. But, you know, yeah. that's what you got to do. And that's why you should just lose out and try to get Ed Oliver. I really think Ed Oliver is the best player in college football. Another team that's sneaky good, though, is Houston. Like yeah. Their quarterback is, I think he has like 15 touchdowns and no picks at this point in the season. Like, he's doing really well. Like, their major Apple White is figuring things out. Like, they're not UCF in the AAC, but... They are good. They're better than Memphis. And I think Memphis was like the team that people are talking themselves into this year as like the team that could maybe be the group of five standout outside of UCF. And it looks like it's still just going to be UCF and um, Boise. 
and uh, maybe Houston. We'll see. But now, now I'm starting to really turn on my guy Sumlin. I'm turning on it. <laughs> you okay? Tate. So they were down 17 to nothing at the half to USC. The USC's defense is not good, and. Khalil Tate is averaging like 2.3 yards per carry. We're now in, uh, this is, they just had game five. Khalil Tate is no longer fun. We went into this season, like Heisman yeah. favorite Khalil Tate. Mm-hmm. He is, um, I don't know whose drop off has been more stunning, him or Nick Fitzgerald, but I think it's probably Tate just because he was so much more fun last year. And it's just, it's very sad. And I still want to give Kevin someone the benefit of the doubt, but like he's, trying to turn him into like a pro style ish quarterback. He's throwing a lot more. Um, the offensive line obviously sucks, but like this whole group, just awful. JJ Taylor, 18 carries, 50 yards, 2.8 yards to carry 13 carries for Khalil tape, 38 yards. And it's not even just like he's passing to make up 40. He's completion percentage in this game, 48.5, just atrocious. And I just, I, it, Arizona's two and three, and it feels like they're zero and five. Well, I think it's because you have a a coach that's trying to force a system on a player, and sometimes that just can't you can't do that. Um, Khalil Tate is, I mean, as much he's he's a nice passer, but he uses his legs. That's what he's he's known for, and that is not obviously Kevin Sumlin's style. He's used to being, you know, with a Johnny Manziel type of player who also uses his legs, but can throw the ball way down the field. Um, and I just wonder if coaches, you know, especially in a first year program where you're probably going to suffer sometimes anyways, just because, you know, it's a new system, new team, uh, recruiting, just everything's so different. Sometimes first year suffer. Why don't you just bend a little bit and try to put and work with what your players want to do instead of trying to force something down their throat? And I wonder if that's what Kevin someone's doing. He brought over the guy that like kind of ruined Sumlin's fun Texas A&M days like the offensive coordinator after the after the Manziel area like the right. early Kellen and Kyler Murray that kind of stuff and it never worked it was just one of those things where it's kind of like the Gus Malzahn transition where it's like this guy who used to have just yearly fun offenses um, became a defensive minded coach almost where like they prided themselves on being a lot more boring a lot more safe um, grinded out that kind of stuff and I mean, and I, I don't know. It's it's weird, but I still want to give someone the benefit of the doubt because I still just think year one just doesn't really matter. Uh, I'm still going to hold out that we'll see next year how it all works, but I feel like it's a gigantic waste of Khalil Tate. Exactly. exactly. I feel like it's a waste to him and the type of talent that he is. And potentially, I mean, it hurts his stock in the NFL. I mean, people are going to remember this. They're not going to remember the numbers that they put up like in years prior. I mean, they know he's a good player, but like, it has been ugly this year for him. I mean, it's not. Well, he's never going to be an NFL quarterback. Like he was going to be like Antoine Randall if he went to the. I mean, but still, the- he's still going to attempt to go out there, you know, and you try to look at the, what's best for your players and the, moving forward, or at least you would hope so. Um, but I mean, you've also got coaches benching guys that get you to college football playoffs like Dabo Sweeney and, uh, you know, so coaches do what they do, right? Yes. Um, and you know what some coaches do? They make sure their team covers on the road in Athens. I don't want to talk about it. Why don't you want to talk about uh, it? I like, mean, it was a good... Auburn's was, awful to watch. Your yeah. team's awful to watch now. It, it all worked. I know. It was uh, very painful to watch. A, a lot of a lot of penalties, um, a lot of 
incomplete passes. I was worried that Jake Fromm was going to be benched for the rest of the game just because of how painful the offense was running. Um, You know, Justin Fields ran for two touchdowns. He only, it was one for two passing. But I mean, I don't think the quarterback controversy thing sort of follows Georgia in that sense. You know, obviously Justin Fields played in his game, you know, fourth or final game where he's not going to be transferring fifth or final game or whatever. Um, So he's not going to be transferring anymore. But I think that, you know, going forward, it's just going to be they were using both quarterbacks. I think three out of the five scoring drives for them, both of the quarterbacks were in. So I think that's going to be sort of how they play moving forward. I don't know how that's going to work. Um, Hopefully they find some sort of rhythm with that. But it was it was an ugly game. I mean, think about the strip of Jake Fromm and Isaac Nata running it into the end zone. I mean, thankfully he did that. Things like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was just ugly. I, I mean, great. Thankfully he did that because you're the one that allowed the guy to get get past you to to strip the ball. But it was just it was ugly. Um, but I just love how Tennessee fans after the game got super pissed off at Jeremy Pruitt and staff for going over and saying, you know, hello to Georgia players. They helped recruit those guys to the school. I mean, that's right. Only cordial. But of course, Tennessee fans found issue with that as well. Yeah, that's stupid because it, like Jeremy Pruitt has a bunch of guys who were literally like the defensive line coach at Georgia, yeah. like all kinds of different positional coaches that came over to Pruitt's staff. Um, once he got the job. So yeah, like there's so much overlap between the two schools and like guys who were, like you said, were recruited by Pruitt when he was at Georgia for those couple of years. And uh, yeah, that's, that's silly. Yeah. I don't really understand why you'd be upset about that. But what about the star power that was at that game? You had Peyton Manning, you had Herschel Walker, you had Evander Holyfield, Elijah Holyfield's dad, and then the man of all men, Ric Flair. <laughs> was Quavo there? Quavo probably was there. He's always at those games. Yeah. Um, Ric Flair was there. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Ric Flair was. I didn't even notice. Yeah. Ric Flair was there. He was presenting the track team, I think their national championship trophy or something. Did you see he walked down the aisle a couple weeks ago to Ric Flair drip? Yes. At his wedding. At his own wedding. Right. right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't see that. <laughs> oh. That is a, um, it's a power move. Yeah. Well, he. He seems to be a little bit egotistical, you know? I mean, if you're going to be... So, pro wrestling, which, as you know, Jordan, very much my forte, Mm -hmm. is a very ego-driven thing because it's very, you know, superficial, where it's like you literally have to look good to be a star. You have to have this perfect body, this perfect shape. You have to look a certain way. You have to be able to have the charisma to get over. They're... It's just, it's like acting times a thousand. It's so over the top, but at the same time, you know, I I mean, I I love it, but yeah, you have to have an insane ego to be a successful uh, professional wrestler. Well, I think that you have to have a ego and be very, I think you have to be egotistical in a way to be successful at whatever you do, which isn't necessarily Um, a bad thing. It's just having confidence in yourself and knowing that you need to get something done to be successful in that that's fair um are you ready to sound the alarm bells about florida and georgia um no because i i would have been a little i would have been sounding the alarm bells if florida would have put up more than 13 points against mississippi state (laughs) yeah their offense sucks yeah mississippi state's defense is still good 
Um, Jonathan Shoup is a good defensive coordinator. They have a very, very good defensive line. And that was like one of the key matchups going into this game was like their two edge rushers, how much pressure they get on Felipe Franks and that kind of thing. And you saw that like they didn't get time. Florida's offensive line is not very good. They but, but they shut down Jeffrey Simmons. They did shut down Jeffrey Simmons. And that was an right. impressive task. <laughs> yeah. Um, Florida's just, they're better than people thought. But I also, I don't know. I'm walking away from, I, I'm not all the way out on them losing to Georgia, but I'm still pretty con- I, I've moved significantly the other way where it's like, ah, uh, no, I don't think this offense is going to score enough. Right. They're just not there. Well, I think if their offense was had a heartbeat of just even a little bit, like I think that they would have a chance, but instead I think it's going to be, I don't think it's necessarily going to be a blowout, but I do think it's going to be. Maybe they need an Ian book replacement situation where like Frank's gets, I'm cause they have a four. They have Emory Jones. Jones. Yeah. Yeah. What if they inserted him? Like what if he's the wild card? Well, I just like that changes their season. I don't, I I don't understand why he didn't win the start. I mean, I know he was a freshman coming in, but I thought that Emory Jones was coming in in the spring. I could be wrong, but I I mean, maybe they do insert him like before the Georgia game and something crazy happens. I don't really know, um, but he's definitely the guy for Florida going forward. Felipe Franks is not, um, you know, I think he's a temporary answer to a. <laughs> problem that has been long happening to Florida. Uh, speaking of one of Florida's former quarterbacks, Treon Harris was playing for Tennessee State against Vanderbilt this past weekend. Speaking of, I have my Hawaii minute. You have your uh, Vanderbilt's actually good minute. Ready well, go. well, I first want to start by just saying that, you know, uh, prayers out to Christian Abercrombie of Tennessee State. He's an Illinois transfer on the defensive side of the ball, I think um, he suffered a traumatic brain injury during the game. Mm-hmm. Second quarter um, walked over. It was a clean hit, came over to the sideline, said he was had a headache and just collapsed. Um, they took him off on a stretcher. He had, I think uh, his brain was bleeding. Um, they had to do emergency surgery. Um, he's still non-verbally responsive. So I have tweeted out on my Twitter at Jordan Diarman, the GoFundMe page that is, I think the legal GoFundMe page that the NCAA said uh, was allowed because the NCAA has to approve stuff like that. So um, they are raising money for him, but just, yeah, just wanted to say that he's actually from Atlanta. He went to Westlake High School, was a three-star, three-star hmm. prospect. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Vanderbilt barely escaping with a win on that one. Kalijah Lipscomb saved them with a go-ahead touchdown late in the fourth quarter. Um, but Treon Harris was Florida's quarterback, I think, a year or two ago. He's now a wide receiver. Three years ago. It wasn't? It's he's, been a while. How does he still, like, is he getting, like, the Jeff Driscoll eligibility stuff? <laughs> where it's like he's just there and he's just there? Because remember when Jeff Driscoll was at Florida for nine years and then was a good quarterback at Louisiana Tech uh, for a year or two with Skip Holtz? And now he is the backup quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals. That's crazy. See, you know never, on never. That roster. Christian Hackenberg saw his face pop up on Sunday. Christian Hackenberg. Andy Dalton's backups are Christian Hackenberg and Drift Driscoll. Like, well, let's hope nothing Bengals happens. Fans, man. Oh my God. If Andy Dalton goes down, just, oh. Yeah, that's, that's an ugly, that's an ugly uh, quarterback room right there. And I don't mean in looks. Okay. Glad we had that caveat <laughs> thrown out. Um, I mean, there nobody's Cole McDonald look wise, so 
What yeah. are you really doing? What can you really uh, By do? the way, I really like his hairstyle. The shaved, the buzz on the side with the long do in the back. It's sort of like a James Conner look going on. Right, right. Except not like a mullet. Yeah, it's more, yeah. Mm. It's, it's well, more well kept. It, yeah, it's, it's good. Yeah. He knows what he's doing. Um, Texas wins um, for the first time since 2002. Texas, I'm starting to become like, I'm not all in saying Texas is back, baby, but Texas is making college football fun again. You know, you want Texas to be good. They're Texas. And I'm not completely sold on them yet, but they're fun to watch. You know what's good, though, is <laughs> they're hitting their stride. And now they have this just cakewalk. Oh, no, they have. Um, let me check my schedule. I believe that's they have uh, Oklahoma. Oklahoma <laughs> the Red River Showdown, baby. Didn't they rename it? Isn't it, it's no longer the Red River Shootout? What? Right? They renamed the rivalry. It's something. Don't tell me that. It's not called that anymore. Well, I'm going to continue to call it that. I mean, as you should. But isn't the cocktail party got? Didn't that get renamed too? Well, yeah, because they it, it's like the Georgia Florida. I don't even know. What is it called now? Um, I'll I'll figure it out. But let's see, Georgia Florida. It's now called the Red River Showdown. That's right. Yeah. So no more shootout. It is the showdown. Oh, so I thought it was showdown all the time. No, it was always the shootout. You know, because the Midwest shooting guns and stuff. Huh. Oh. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, uh, let's see. Is there anything other? Oh, the big two that I avoid talking about because like it's just I feel like everybody else has talked about those two games, which was Ohio State coming from behind to beat Penn State on the road and oh, yeah. their playoff spot in the process. Mm. And then and that's not a jinx by the way. I'm not because uh, Dwayne Haskins, great in the second half and that touchdown reception from Victor, I mean Benjamin Victor was just he's a guy who's underachieved his entire career at Ohio State. He kept bouncing off guys, horrible tackling, but great movement by uh, Ohio State and then that great deflection and you know, a lot is gonna be written about that play call with the RPO. Oh, Speaking of play call, did you see the video that was going around after the game of James Franklin going off, like literally having to be held back from a fan that said, coach, you know, I love you, but bad play call. And I mean, that's literally all he said. And and James Franklin, I mean, you would have thought he said, like, I hate your mama or something like I mean, it was you should you should look at it if you haven't seen it. But that play call, I mean, really, why do you take the ball out of your best player's hand. Ha. Well, no, he didn't take it out of his hands because that's the whole point of the read option. And that's like what's missed is Trace McSorley could have kept the ball. Like that's one of those things. That's the whole point of a read option is that he reads the defense and he thought the best thing to do was pitch to Mount Sanders. And um, it obviously backfired and Ohio State made a good play. But, but like but if you watch you the whole game, that play worked all the time. It just finally didn't work. Well, it, eventually it's not going to work. You can't you can't keep using the same thing over and over again. And in that situation, don't give the opportunity to your quarterback to make the decision. I mean, I think it's fine. I just think it didn't work out. It, I, I don't like this stuff because remember, like with the Russell Wilson and the Marshawn Lynch stuff of people just being so certain that if they just run with Marshawn, he would have gotten in. And well, that's, play. that's when Pete Carroll lost the locker room. Oh, my God. This <laughs> that kind of stuff. I just I'm. I don't like these just oversimplification well, with this stuff. I, well, I don't what do you think about what do you think about Bobby Petrino's call to throw it? In oh, a situation? that was absolutely insane. I think he was point shaving. 
at that point. When I saw that, because I, I didn't think it was that egregious until I actually watched it, and I, I there's just no rationale for it. Like that's just you one have of those you have one of the worst passing quarterbacks, and you decide to do that in that type of situation. I think he really one of the most fired. That was like one of those. Please fire me. You think so? Yeah, maybe he's just tired of coaching. He's been around for a long time. Patino's out. His AD's out. Maybe Petrino's just ready to go on. Uh, maybe. But back to that big game that you were talking about. The yeah. one that I wish Urban Meyer would receive his karma now, but unfortunately it's not, not happening. I've got some bad news, Jordan. He's going to the national championship game. No, he's not. He's going to the college football playoff, and Georgia will defeat them. I mean, sure. If you believe so. I'm, I was very unimpressed with I know Dwayne Haskins played what he needed to in the second half, but first half Dwayne Haskins was not impressive to me. No, I mean, that was his first big test, though, like on the road in a just a really tough environment. But guess what? Urban Meyer, 48 and three in the Big Ten since 2012. He is three and one against James Franklin now outside of that crazy uh, loss two years ago. No blemishes there. Like it's, I think Dwayne Haskins is still the best quarterback he's had in a long time at Ohio State. And no, I, I can agree with that. He's but... so efficient, and he bounced back. Like that's the thing is, like he had a bad first half, but he didn't crumble. Like his second half was just on point, and he well... drove them down the field, seventy-five yard touchdown drive 96 yard touchdown drive at one point like he did everything and also shout out to trace mcsorley who was also really awesome in this game and no one's gonna remember it but i know like 397 total yards of offense himself yeah like he was really really good yeah i have underneath him i said damn ball player because he was he was i mean like i he gained respect from me in that game i mean i know trace mcsorley is a great quarterback but what he was able to do both with his feet and through the air was very impressive but Dwayne Haskins, the fourth quarter was seven of 10 for 138 yards and two touchdowns. And that's even more impressive, unfortunately. So like you said, Trace McSorley's going to be overlooked in this game, but he did have one hell of a game. Yeah. And you know what? Penn State, they're still probably going to go like 10 and two. And but this is the best that like James Franklin still has them in the best situation that they've been in in a really, really long time. Because if you go back through all of their previous records, even a lot of the Joe Paul years and everything, they were still just not this kind of team. Like they're winning 10 games like at minimum right now. And that is the best place that they've been in in decades. So, you know what? They're not going to go to the national title game. But, you know, Ohio State's just really, really good. And I I feel like we've already established like who the four best teams in the country are and it's not even um, week seven. Yeah, but I feel like that's how it is every year, you know? Is it? I, yeah. I mean, think about it. If we go back, which we, we should do next week is go back and look at just the top four college football playoff teams, like at this week, at this time and see how much it's changed. Because from what I remember, I mean, teams are going to start losing, especially when Georgia goes to LSU um, that's going to be pretty much the only big one coming up. I mean, I think every game is big for Clemson because they're going forward. They're playing with a freshman quarterback and no backup. Even though Bryce played, he played okay against Syracuse. It was really the run game that saved their life. But, you know, I, I think that you do have the four best teams, but, um, I mean, you still got like West Virginia, OU. I I have them out of my top four and I have Penn State still in my top 10 because I think they're one hell of a football team. I think they proved to everybody this week that they are worthy of being one of the best in the country. I would agree with that. They're still definitely top 10. It's just, I still, and I'm probably going to keep this 
um, perspective until one of them loses. But like, I just feel like we're Ohio State and Alabama are just there. I think Alabama is still the best team, but yeah, it's just Oklahoma is like on the edges. I just that defense is so bad. I, I don't I can't talk myself into that defense. Mm-mm. No. And what do you think about the whole Kyler Murray benching thing? I know he like was late to practice or something. I just wonder if he's sort of starting to tune out with the whole baseball on the horizon. No, I think it's probably just a college kid just being late and a college coach overreacting. And, you know, that doesn't happen very often in college football. No, because, like, there wasn't a head coach that grabbed one of his players face masks this week. Oh, yeah. I think his name is uh, Jimbo Fisher. Right. Mm, yeah. How does it still happen in 2018? I don't know. I mean, but here's the thing. Like, I've seen that from when I was like in peewee. Fo- I mean, I obviously didn't play peewee football, but I've, you know, in elementary school, I can remember like coaches doing that to like little league guys. Like, I didn't really think it was that big of a deal. And then when I saw the tweet from Tyrell Dotson, the player he did it to, he said he w- he said he did the right thing. He said, "quote I let my emotions get the best of me in that certain moment. My teammates in the university needed me. That's why he was so upset." And I think when he said apparently he was about to get a penalty for going after a guy for some stupid reason, I I mean Jimbo Fisher was probably just frustrated. I know you shouldn't put your hands on a player. That's not the best way to communicate with anybody. Um, But he's a football coach, and you have guys tackling each other, and you're trying to get your point across. I mean, maybe that kid was doing something he shouldn't have been doing. I don't know. I just, I don't like, because the players are defenses in that moment where they can't really react. Right. And there's something about the emotion in that moment where it's like, they just have to take this of this guy just right. I don't know. I just don't like it. I think it's not necessary. No, I definitely, I definitely don't agree with putting your hands on anybody because that doesn't, doesn't make any situation better. Yeah, exactly. But I also can understand both sides to the story, you know, and even the player coming out and saying, listen, I was the one being stupid. He was trying to basically check me into the moment and say, wake up, you know, but there's another way of doing that without like grabbing. Can you imagine like Greg Popovich just grabbing LeBron's Jersey, like pulling him off, like in the middle <laughs> of a team USA scrimmage or something like you can't make that kind of read. Like I just, yeah, I don't imagine that flying in like any other sport. I just, or especially professional sport, but these are just grown men. Like that's the other difference. It's not like a 12 year old. It's a grown man that you're just throwing around because he knows he can't, like he knows his player can't react. Yeah. It's gonna I mean, be trust me, I'm not, a, I'm not a Jimbo Fisher fan. So I will be on the side of a player. And, you know, I just try to look at it from the perspective of just both sides, you know? Um, so but I definitely don't think putting your hands on players um, or anybody is going to result in anything good. What was the bigger collapse in Lubbock on Saturday? Alan Bowman's lung or <laughs> Texas Tech's Big 12 chances? Texas Tech's Big 12 chances. Gotcha. Not great. No, no. West Virginia is just so efficient. They're really interesting to watch because like they took advantage. They had a couple picks and it was like Alan Bowman, who's like super accurate over 70% completion percentage. He just overshot one of his guys and tipped interception. West Virginia scores like four plays. And it was Jennings and who I looked up. I think it was something. I think it's David Jennings Jr. And I was like, is Greg Jennings old enough to already have a receiving <laughs> son in college right now is that a thing he already has a wide receiver son in school but i don't think they're related but um we're at that age now jordan we're like any kind of junior of a former uh professional player you're like are we already old enough for him i know like Greg Guerrero jr craig biggio's son are all on the same team in toronto and triple a but anyway 
uh we are at that age and we are old um frank beamer is getting a bronze monument at virginia tech i love frank beamer but do you love the idea of giving him a statue no he doesn't deserve one at all but that's okay virginia tech is virginia tech so i have another take for you jordan what human beings should not get statues I weirds me out. It really weirds me out. Well, you know what even weirds me out? Especially out when they're even... alive. Yes, like, like Nick Saban. Like, Nick Saban at Bama. Like that weirds me out. Like I'm sorry. That it's just it's very strange to me. Like I don't I don't know. This I totally have agree. egos like that are just outrageous. It's absurd that they okayed this. Like yes, that's totally fine. Make a statue of me. <laughs> There's one of Bobby Cox outside of uh, SunTrust Park. Oh, that's that's warranted. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Why? Because it's Bobby. But he's also a wife beater, allegedly. Allegedly? I didn't know that. Did you ruin once again? (laughs) (laughs) Did you ruin once again another? First, you ruined The Sopranos for me. Now? Really? Oh, my gosh. Well, 90s. Yeah. Well, I'll definitely um okay look into that. Yeah. As wow, this is really puts a damper on my whole my whole baseball childhood. It's always bothered me. That's just the thing with Bobby Cox. That just kind of got swept under the rug. It was like <laughs> he won fourteen straight division titles. Who cares? Uh, well, yeah, basically, well, I, I believe he all like this is all. Let me put this allegedly and every other caveat necessary. He uh, um he was booked for it, and his wife. Uh, the next day or whatever, like decided not to press charges. So that's nothing came so sad. That's so sad. But you know what? It's it's crazy that well, it's not crazy that this has been going on for so long. You know, not necessarily this situation, but just with you know, I mean, the Urban Meyer assistant, and then you've got all of these players. You know, if you're a, if you're a top player, you know, you can get away with things. Or if you're a top coach, everything's going to be okay. We can sweep it under the rug. And apparently, this has been going on for a while. Hmm. Yeah. Lovely. Sorry. Thank you, Chase. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's all for the news. Any more 1995 or 1996 news stories that you'd like for me to mention? Um, No, just the fact that the Olympic curse is still alive and well. Curse is also not a thing, Jordan. Uh, Chase, you're also un-American, so we can't talk about this. I still don't understand how me not... Um, being a fan of the Olympics makes me any less of an American. You I just am so disappointed because this is the one event where we get to compete as a country against the entire world. And this is the one chance you can say America, America first, America, you know, counterpoint. It's uh, not good and very, very boring. We have better sports. Boring. Now. Yeah, have you ever sports. watched the basketball. diving? The diving is football. very intense. No, I'm never going to watch diving in my life. Are you kidding? Diving? Yes, it's a. I mean, sometimes the belly flops, like, you know, people choke. It's a very high stress situation. I'll watch a three second clip on Twitter. I don't need to spend my afternoon watching that. No. Do you not watch like the Olympics, the Winter Olympics, like the. All the cool sports, like the um, shuffle. What is that with a little. We won it this year. I have no idea. Gosh. Well, you know what? I watch all these interesting sports in the Winter Olympics, too, and I've never felt more American in my life. You should try it. Okay, sure. Never going to watch it. 
I would <laughs> if I'm the sports star. I'm you know what? If it. I if I go and watch Cole McDonald tape, you should go and watch the Olympics for me. Not so even when, close to being the same because one is very enjoyable for all parties involved. There's nothing enjoyable about it. You can't sell me on it. You you try to pitch. Go watch some diving, competitive diving. Next week, I'm going to come with an entire PowerPoint lecture of why to watch the Olympics in less than a minute, and I will present it to you. That's going in the recycling bin, Jordan. (laughs) Oh, I'm American. Proud to be an American. No one's... Like you're no one's doubting that, Jordan. I, I think at this point, we're all very aware of your patriotism. Like, well, you know, uh, this podcast is a very patriotic episode. We know yes. where you stand on America after this. Episode. <laughs> I, I am America first. Um, but you know, what's like more American than anything in college football is Benny Snell in Kentucky. Right. Who there is a smear job going on. Maybe not even a smear job. A um conspiracy to keep him out of the Heisman candidacy. I think Kentucky fans are onto something because AJ Dillon, top five in the uh for country. Boston College, right? Right. But Benny Snell's numbers better across the board. Not getting the credit. No, I mean uh, he's he had this past week he had twenty eight carries for ninety nine yards and a touchdown. Against Florida, hundred and seventy five yards and against or I think the week before that he had four touchdowns and 165 yards. And I think that was Mississippi state. Right. I mean, he's, he's putting up numbers. I mean, he's putting Kentucky on his back and running them down the field for wins. That's literally what sucks. Doing. And that's why yeah, no. I think um, they're going to run into the problem because I just don't think this offense can score enough when they're playing from behind. Cause that's the thing is they're in control against South Carolina. They're in control against Mississippi state. Kellen Mond and Texas A&M at home, they're going to put up points. We saw them against a better defense in Clemson. They put up points. And I think I just, this is a good leeway into um, our picks this week. But yeah, I just, I think Texas A&M is going to beat them. And I still think Kentucky's on their way to nine and three or 10 and two. It's just, they can't score enough to hang with Texas A&M on the road. They just can't. I, I mean, I know it's going to be, it's going to be a hostile environment for sure. I, I just think that Kentucky's playing with Benny Snell. Let me correct that. Benny Snell is playing with such passion right now. I really don't under, I don't know if anybody can stop him. Like I'm, I'm not necessarily worried for Kentucky to play at Georgia, but like Georgia's like rushing attack for the run game is, I mean, they're not really stopping anybody. And like Benny Snell is a very good quarterback. If people haven't watched his tape, they need to go do it because he literally pushes guys over, and when he breaks free, he's one of the most beautiful runners in college football. I wouldn't say he's a beautiful runner. I mean, he's, he's not aesthetically pleasing. It's like watching know, Trent a, Richardson. Uh, no. No. Ew, that makes me, like, turn up. Like, I have, like, a stank face on right now. That is not a good comparison at all. You're not. Uh, is that more frustrating for you than the Olympic stick or no? Um, that might be just about as stanky as your un-American Olympics take. Okay, good to know. Um, have you looked at this slate this week? It's not very appealing to me, at least. Uh, my favorite game is, you know, the Red River Showdown, Texas at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Miami, Florida State before the season seemed like it'd be a good thing. <laughs> now it- <laughs> it's going to be awful. I would not encourage anybody to watch that game. It's a twelve o'clock kickoff. You can go ahead and avoid that one at all costs. All costs. Here's uh, how I know this is a bad weekend. I might watch a lot of Iowa State, Oklahoma State. 
you're still going to do that to yourself? I just like Auburn plays at Mississippi State at noon. And I don't know if I want to watch it yet because it- <laughs> it's going to be so bad. Stidham's going to complete like 55% of his passes. They're going to not use Schwartz at all. And he'll have like one random touchdown. He won't get targeted. No deep balls. No anything. Um, they're going to all average 4.3 yards to carry. Maybe 3.7. And they're going to win 27 to 17. And it's going to suck. Yeah. No, it's not going to be a pretty game. I imagine it's going to be a lot like what Florida Mississippi State was. Yeah. Just, just ugly, ugly football. <laughs> I'm hoping they don't pull Nick Fitzgerald because they have someone behind him who is intriguing. And if they pull him and put someone in there who can actually throw the ball downfield, that game could get bad because Auburn wouldn't have uh, been ready for the backup. Uh, well, maybe K- that's what K- they do. Kation? How do you pronounce his name? Kation? I don't know. Thompson. But he's somebody who's been pushing for that job. He has five TDs and one pick um, in 34 attempts this year. He yeah he's averaging eleven point seven yards per attempt so he's someone that um, can pass the football because you're not going to believe this Jordan but Nick Fitzgerald is completing forty nine percent of his passes for six yards per attempt it's uh, not great oh yeah but that's not really surprising to me no but he was like a sneaky Heisman favorite yeah before the season started and it's just he's so bad passing the football that it just defenses don't have to keep like. It, they don't have anything to worry about on the outside. It's just, they can stack the box and it's just very predictable. And not even the offensive genius, Joe Moorhead can fix this situation. So I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Thompson sooner rather than later, but I hope it's not this game and throws a wrench into it. Um, Georgia tech Louisville. That's going to be another. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. um, I think that Petrino could be done after like seriously in the next two weeks. I uh, not great. Yeah. Um, Paul Johnson, when's he going? Anytime soon? I don't know. Once they get the agreement from Scott Satterfield in uh, App State. Oh, you want him now? I thought you wanted North Texas. I I think that's more of a pipe dream. Like in a vacuum, sure. Love Seth Luttrell in uh, Atlanta. I don't think that's going to happen. What's more realistic? Scott Satterfield. Hmm. He lost his DC to Georgia Tech. He'd be able to keep him because Nate Woody came from App State. He's a good offensive mind. He's not a flashy enough name. Like he's just flashy enough for Tech. And I, I don't know. I think he's like the. the I don't hate guy, that. Probably. I don't hate that. I just want the triple option gone. Yeah. <laughs> um, Nebraska probably going to lose to Wisconsin by 45 points. Yeah. Yeah. Are they going to win a game this season? Uh, that's a good question. I like, because I think have last they Rutgers yet. Um, no, they have not. Because Purdue was the first quote winnable game that Scott Frost said that they would probably have. Um, and f- so for the first time in Nebraska history, they are winless through the first five games. Like that's never happened. To be fair, the game that they were going to win got canceled against Akron. So that's a but, thing. Mm, you know what? It's they would have beat Akron. It was before the Adrian Martinez injury. Well, shoulda, coulda, woulda. Yeah, you know? I'm giving them a win. I'm just penciling in a win. We have to have that caveat. That game got canceled and they would have won that game. I'm sure Scott Frost appreciates that. I, my apologies to uh, Terry Bowden for my disrespect for the Akron Zips and whether or not they could have won. Let's see. The rest of their schedule is at Northwestern after the Wisconsin game. 
Oh, they don't even have Rutgers. Oh, no. But they do have <laughs> Bethune-Cookman. So that is their winnable okay. game. Illinois right. at home? Illinois, they're not going to win that game. Uh, Levy Smith won't won't lose that game. They're not going to lose that game. I'm going to pencil in Nebraska beating Illinois. Uh, Minnesota, they probably lose that game. Okay, at Michigan State, or Michigan State at home, but they're still losing that. At Iowa, that's a loss. At Ohio State, that's a loss. At Northwestern, yeah, I guess they're going 2-10. and 10. Or 2-9, and nine, excuse me, because one game got canceled. You're, you mean one, because they're not they're not beating Lovey Smith in the Illinois. No, they're beating Illinois. I think that's the Big Ten win he gets. I don't think Scott Frost is losing every Big Ten game. We'll see. Yeah. I think you're just trying to keep Illinois fans happy. But um, <laughs> are they? do they exist? Is there a big <laughs> Illinois fan contingent in Chicago? Well, you know what's funny is I was told by some people up here in the business that um, nobody cares about football college football up here i really took offense to that um personally just because i mean there is like football programs up here that are worthwhile obviously in chicago notre dame which we really haven't even talked about their win over stanford um but i mean ian book definitely the answer go ian book go um yeah i mean so basically notre dame is like the fan base here in chicago um but yeah i was in state in iowa no, nah, okay. not as much. But um, I was sort of offended by him saying that because I just don't understand when people try to argue that point. Because if you're an NFL city and you're an NFL, you know, market, then why do you not watch college football? Because these are the players that you're now talking about on your broadcast. Like I know more about Chicago Bears football now than you do because I know where these players played football and I've watched them for years. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Okay. I mean, it's a lot to watch, though, to be fair. Like, that's the one difficult thing about weekends when you watch both is it's just it's a lot. I mean, I guess I just don't understand the fact that people aren't passionate about college football. Like, I I just but I mean, I went to a college football school, so I, you know, I don't know. I just took real offense to that. My love for college football runs just as deep as my love for America. You're very fired up tonight, Jordan. Oh, it's just sorry. It just happens. I love college football in America. Okay, <laughs> sure. Um, Notre Dame at Virginia Tech is maybe the most interesting yeah. game on the schedule this week because I don't know what to make of Virginia Tech anymore. They lost Josh Jackson and they go out and just manhandle, destroy Duke, Duke. and undefeated Duke team at yeah. the time. It, uh-huh. They get them at home. Notre Dame, like this, would be the most Notre Dame thing ever. To just have all these great wins to start the year off, be talked about as a potential eleven and one, twelve and zero playoff team, and then to just lose to Virginia Tech on the road. Oh yeah, a team that lost to Old Dominion. No, it could t- it could totally happen. And Ian Book's like first road test was against Wake Forest, and I really don't count that as a road test. I think that Virginia Tech's going to be on. a lot. Be very be more respectful to the claw fence. Hey, what he's got going I on down like there. I like Wake Forest. Sam Stadium. Hartman, Sam, Sam Hartman's my guy. All right. I like Wake Forest, but in a sense of. I was always a Riley of, Skinner guy. Love really? me some Riley Skinner. I, I, well, I also liked um, Brady Quinn too. So Right. Well, no, Brady Quinn's a Notre Dame guy. Notre Dame. About... You're right. Mm, you're right. Wake Forest, Riley Skinner. He was also he, very. He was Aaron Murray before Aaron Murray. Same number undersized just won games not very good but they were fine good college quarterbacks 
I'm just going to bite my tongue about <laughs> Aaron Murray. Okay. We'll talk about that off air. No, um, no, no, no. I just think he's one of the most overrated quarterbacks in SEC history. But I think it's just one of those guys. It's like the JT Barrett thing. He falls in that category with me where it's yeah, like, definitely. because they were just there for so long. It just feels like they were a lot better than they were. It's just because you remember seeing them on TV on a good team. Oh, if you're yeah. in a power five school and you play for four years, people are just going to assume that you were good because you were there for a long period of time. Yeah, I was at that Alabama game where if he just would have made that completion down in the end zone, we would have probably went on to beat whoever it was. Was that Notre, Notre Dame? Dame. In the yeah, Notre Dame in the national championship. Yeah, I was at that game. Um, yeah, one of the most overrated quarterbacks in SEC history. There's a take. All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so... I, so that I game, Notre Dame... Dame here, I just... Yeah. I don't feel great about it. And it's just weird that I don't feel great because a week ago, if you would have asked me like if this game was going to be a big, important thing, I'd be like, oh no, Virginia Hicks done. And then, you know, they beat Duke. And that's weird to me that that's like a big win for them. But um, I don't know. I could really see Virginia Tech doing this. I just, I'm not yeah. going to pick them, but I could 100% see it. And the people that really hate Notre Dame are going to really, really love Notre Dame losing to a team that lost to Old Dominion a few weeks prior. <laughs> Yes, they would. See, I'm honestly, I think that I'm going to go with Virginia Tech. I just think okay. that there's that there really is not a lot that they're playing for at this point. I mean, I know it's early in the season, but you can't really recover after losing to Old Dominion. That's probably I mean, one of the biggest. Like they, play, they only have one I loss. I mean, and from an ego standpoint, too. from an ego standpoint, sort of like when LSU lost to, um, who was LA? it? Yes. It's sort of like, it's just like really puts a sour taste in your mouth the rest of the season. I'm just saying from an ego standpoint, I just feel like it's going to be really hard to recover from that. But I do think it's going to play into them just trying to play like spoiler, just like really putting it all out there. Because you said, I mean, Josh Jackson's out with a broken leg. So like they're doing it with, with guys that are really having to step up. They lost their best defensive player. They had to kick him off the team. So I mean, I don't know. I just feel like the fight in Virginia Tech could really spoil things for Notre Dame. Okay. And that's probably it for the watchable games this weekend. <laughs> yeah, there's not much more. Uh, yeah, that's basically all, all I had. LSU at Florida. Did we mention that? Oh, that's right. We did not mention LSU Florida. That's going to be anytime you go into that's a swamp. That's the biggest game. Yeah, they were probably screaming at us as they were listening. Like, how do you forget that? Um, it's going to be an awful game to watch. Another one where it's going to be like 20 to 13. And I'm going to hate every second that I watch of this game. Who do you think? Who do you, Wait, actually, LSU. It's 12 o'clock. I can avoid this during the day because Auburn plays in. Um, say it again. I see. I think LSU goes into the swamp and wins. But I think it's like you said, it's going to be ugly. Who do you have coming out? I don't see LSU escaping Florida and Georgia undefeated. Really? If they win both of these games, I mean, I, I have to buy in at that point. They're in their 7-0, and then that Alabama game gets really interesting. But, yeah, I just, I've gone this long not believing in Joe Burrow and this <laughs> LSU team. So I'm going to keep going. I believe in Grant Delpit, who has three sacks, six tackles for losses, 27 tackles, a couple picks. Like, that dude is insane. So I believe in their defense. But you will not get me to believe in this offense. Well, I do know that Joe Burrow has no interceptions on the year 
And because he doesn't take chances. No, I know. And here's the thing: I think that's going to be good in this game if they play right. that way because Florida takes the ball away. They've had more takeaways than they had the entire season last year already. Tell people how many uh, touchdown passes he has. Uh, six. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. What is that's his completion not... <laughs> percentage? Fifty-three percent. Yeah. Joe I mean, Burrow it's not... sucks, and he's just I. He, but oh here's the God. thing: they, he's playing under a new offensive quarter. He's at a new school. The offensive line for LSU has played every single week of football. They have had different combinations on the offensive line. That's not a good thing to do, especially with a new quarterback. I mean, so when you take into all of that into consideration and the fact that he hasn't thrown an interception yet, which LSU fans should be like jumping for joy. I mean, you had Brandon Jennings and I mean, who was the other guy last year? I mean, you, I mean, you had guys throwing interceptions left and right. Yes. Um, but Joe Burrow, I mean, yes, he's a game manager, but he's getting better as the year goes on. And that's what you no, want. He's not, out of- Jordan. He's not getting better. He's just he, surviving. They're just well, winning games. He, to be able to right, you know what? Better. But this offense had its best week. Granted, it was against the worst defense almost in the entire country, but they did have the best week of their season this week. I mean, they put up close to 500 yards. There are 12 teams in the SEC. And the one thing the SEC is not known for is their quarterback play. And uh, Joe Burrow, number 10 in passing efficiency rating at this point in the season. He is number seven in passing yards per attempt. Hey, baby. This is in the conference, in a very bad offensive conference. He is just awful. And you know what? He gets wins, fine, whatever. I, I just, he's someone you root for. That because it's just like, oh, he doesn't belong here. He's not good. Why is he playing? Oh, he's surviving. Another Matt Saracen factor going on there. But he is, uh, I just keep waiting for his luck to run out. Like, it's, you know what I've realized? Maybe what they are is the Jacksonville Jaguars of college football. Where <laughs> Blake Bortles, when he was unleashed and throwing 55 times and playing from behind and putting up outrageous stats and being a fantasy football guy um, with Gus Bradley that last year. And then Doug Marone took over. And he's like, you're throwing the ball 15 times. You are not doing anything downfield. You are not throwing any more picks. You are not taking any more chances. You are going to play very, very isolated, just quarterback-friendly, conservative quarterback play for the rest of your career. Or the rest of the time, I'm the coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. You like he took away all of his privileges. Blake yeah. Bortles has been grounded for two years now. Joe Burrow <laughs> but it's got been the best thing for LSU. that boy ever. Right. Like it's good. Yeah. Like uh-huh. but that doesn't mean he's good. Like the coaching no, staff no, has I will never out say, that like, I will never say that Blake Bortles is a good quarterback. <laughs> right. But I think it's the same thing where it's like, yeah, they protect Joe Burrow by like not asking him to do basically anything. But if he has to play down 17 to nothing, he's going to just implode. I feel like because he can't play from behind. He's one of those quarterbacks that just, I, I don't believe in him coming from behind and having to go downfield and having to make plays. I, I just, no, thank you. I'm out. But at the same time, they're probably going to win this game. And then the Georgia game is going to be super close. And Oh man, Georgia fans get ready. Get ready Stop for this it. LSU matchup because it's going to be excruciating. Hey, Based on what we've seen from Georgia this year. Well, no, anytime you play in death Valley at night, it's going to be excruciating. So that's just a fact. I still think Georgia wins, but it's just going to be very, very annoying. Uh, yeah, I don't even want to think that far ahead. That's two weeks away, Chase. Leave me alone. Yeah, I mean, you've got... Who, <laughs> do we even talk about... Does Georgia play anybody no, this week? Yeah, they play Vanderbilt. 
Right, right. So they don't <laughs> play anybody this week. Um, I still love Derek Mason. Do you? Okay. Yeah, I do. Kyle Shermer, still a big fan? Uh, here's the thing. You, you got to get a running quarterback or else you're not going to survive in the SEC. And Kyle Shermer can't move at all. That is correct. He can't <laughs> Um <laughs> But you know what? They almost beat Notre Dame. I guess that's something. Uh, but yeah, so this is a. It's weird that this is such a low key week because we're kind of getting in the meat of the season now. And if you look at the October slate as a whole, just not a lot of great stuff. November gonna be a bloodbath. But this month, it's uh, not a lot of gigantic games. There's gonna be a couple here and there every week, but we're entering a kind of doldrum period. I think in college football. It's never dull in college football, baby. You got Cole McDonald and why? I'm so glad I have you all in on Cole McDonald. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a Rainbow Warrior fan now. You know what's weird? They they went back to the Rainbow Warriors, but they still wear the Warriors uniforms. Like they don't have the rainbow yeah. helmets anymore. Like, they I don't need the rainbow why. helmets. Right. Like you don't do that unless you're going back to that nineties style. I, I don't really understand why they did that. <laughs> Maybe if they listen to this podcast, we gotta we gotta uh, shoot it to him anyways. Shoot it to one of the offensive linemen of Hawaii, so Cole McDonald can know your true love for him. Is that a another pun? The run and shoot offense. <laughs> I maybe I'm just getting really good at it. I don't know. I this so. one was unintentional. But master. this will eventually well, be the you. Jordan Diarman podcast. Is what it looks like. <laughs> I'm after you. Okay. I'm after you. Well, this is your last appearance, Jordan Diarman. <laughs> Until next week. Until next week. All right, Jordan. I think that's everything, though. All right. Well, um, just be prepared to learn about America next week, and we'll talk about the latest in college football. Wait, did you give me homework? I don't even remember anymore. Uh, just no, no. Just love America. Read up on the Winter Olympics, Summer Olympics, and that's all I need from you. Sure. Okay. Great. Not doing any of that. But <laughs> Jordan Diarman. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much and uh, talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.